it's Rachel with Coffee Break. Time to talk about sports that make us all feel happy, all feel joy. Rachel B. Hill with Coffee Break. I believe we were supposed to actually get another lyric from Will Peterson on that, but good morning, everybody. Welcome into Coffee Break with DMAC, Will Peterson, and Rachel Beal, all hanging out with you. We've got a ton of fun stuff up ahead. Um, DMAC, I have a chai for you today. Oh. Coffee? Yeah, sure. I don't know what chai is, but it sounds like coffee. What's chai? chai? Uh, What is it? A chai latte. What is it? I don't It's chai. (laughs) <laughs> I was gonna say, are you gonna be snobby about your chai? Are you gonna tell us what chai is? Because I don't is know. It just, it is. is it just coffee with milk? No, Jake says it's a tea, oh, but tea it has milk. milk in it, and I feel like it does energize me just like coffee does. So it gives me a little extra caffeine boost. But right. no one else here drinks chai, just me. No, I, I'm with Dmac. I, I, I'm not trying to be rude. I just don't know what chai is, and I didn't know what like it was. You I don't I, know I what know chai is, is either, Rachel. Listen, listen, listen. I'm going to bring both of you a chai now. I think Starbucks has the best one. I try to recreate a Starbucks one, but I'm going to bring you both one sometime next week, okay? That's our our game plan next week. Very kind of you. I'll take it. As long as I can put mayonnaise in it, I'll be fine. That would be disgusting, but, you know, um, that's just gross. Anyways, moving on, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Happy to have you all hanging out with us. We've got a lot to get into today. We're going to be talking about the grades for the Broncos from our very own Andrew Mason. We're going to be talking about ESPN ranks for the Denver Nuggets as well. Of course, the 49ers that the Broncos get ready to take on a tough opponent this weekend. Um, but we have to talk about Nathan McKinnon and his huge contract extension that came out yesterday. Will, you went down to Castle Pines after they got done playing a round of golf. What was the attitude like down there? Yeah, it was a celebratory day. I mean... Listen, a bunch of his teammates were there, team employees were there, sponsors were there, Josh Kroenke, uh, Chris McFarland, Joe Sackick were all there. We're looking at this video I took now. It's it's about a 90-second video, but guys, they signed the contract right in front of us uh, and called all the big names up to, to sign it right there. So we were we were witnessing history, if you will. Um, and then, of course, this this led into a press conference. So yeah, it was just an exciting day for the Avs, and and you could tell. Uh, I talked about this a little bit on the drive with Dmac yesterday. You could tell that there was a weight off McKinnon's shoulders to get this done 48 hours before training camp. He really did not want this to bleed into the season, and I think by the season that means literally tomorrow when they are back on the ice. So uh, I don't know if there was a, a, a deadline per se, but I think both sides wanted to get this thing done. And it really felt like the last piece of the offseason is now complete. I think it's awesome. I, I, that is funny that they were really signing it out at the golf course. I mean, I, I thought that was actually kind of ceremonial, but clearly not. Clearly, that really was something that had to be signed there. Uh, too funny. Uh, so cool environment. Great story. Uh, it's, it's, it's thrilling to have Nathan McKinnon locked down. You know, we all knew that this was going to happen. It did drag a little bit. For sure. No doubt about it. Uh, so, hey, just good to get it done. You know, you lost Burakovsky. You lost Cadre. I mean, that's going to happen. Um, and I, I don't know where they are, Will, financially with everything else. They're they're going with um, a bargain basement, maybe second-line center with Rodriguez. Let's hope that his upward path continues. But overall, as an Az fan, you've got to be thrilled about that getting done. Yeah. Did Nate the Great crack a smile, Will? Yeah, he, he was smiling. I, I told DMAC yesterday, though, this sort of new Nathan, right? Like the 
the the guy who finally has a cup can sort of take a deep breath. That's that's what we've heard for a couple months. But then yesterday, the intensity was back because I asked him, I said, does this add pressure to win multiple cups over the next nine years? And he says it does, and he embraces it. And his direct quote was, there's no reason we can't repeat next year. So I think he has shifted from, hey, I want one cup to I want to be an all-time great. I want three cups. I want four cups. And he's got nine years to do that. What's a realistic number? I don't know. Championships are hard to win. But will the McKinnon-era Avs get three or four cups? Woo, man, that would make him the best player in franchise history and probably surpassing Joe Sackick. And that's the pressure he now has on him by, by basically signing up to be an Av for life. Real quick for both of you. We talked about this yesterday with Mike Evans and Jake Shapiro. Is Nathan McKinnon the best player on this Colorado Avalanche team, DMAC? He's the most important player. He's not the best player. The best player is Kale McCarr. But Nathan McKinnon remains the best, uh, most important player because he is the son that everybody else revolves around. But the best individual player, the best hockey player is Kale McCarr. He's the most irreplaceable and has the most unique skill set. But we are talking high levels of everything. I'm just putting Kale McCarr at the absolute top. And McKinnon is sort of in the conversation with McDavid and Dreisaitl and, and, you know, other great um, you know, power forwards, I would say, in hockey. Not my opinion. Yeah, and I would agree with D-Mac. I think Kale McCarr has a chance. I mean, we heard Wayne Gretzky comparing to Bobby Orr, right? Mm-hmm. Like, when, when Wayne Gretzky's comparing you to Bobby Orr, the comparison's legitimate. He's got a, he's got a chance to be the best defenseman in NHL history. The other thing I'll say, just a little behind the scenes for you guys on a lighter note that's kind of fun, we were all at the 18th green, and Kale McCarr pulls up, and a few fans ask him for an autograph, and he looks kind of tired. We all sort of look at Kale, and he goes, he kind of shrugs, and he goes, oh, one more hole to go, and then just keeps hitting his golf cart and moving on because it was a shotgun start. So he actually started on the second hole, so he had to go play the first right. hole. But it was just another reminder of, like, how genuine Kale is and just kind of like, ah, shucks, I got to go play one more hole. It's like, kind of funny like that guy could be the best defenseman in nhl history and he's still just a kid who's yep. joking around that he's tired with golf it's a it's kind of a, a a fun thing and also just a a wow moment that he's at the stage he's at with how young he's still well is. his his contract will be up way before mckinnon's is over and you want to talk about what would pro- is likely to be an unbelievable break the bank moment wait till kale mccarr's contract wraps up because barring you know knock on wood any kind of serious injury he will be without a doubt the highest paid nhl player of all time mckinnon is that for now but that's going to be surpassed that being said guys hey nathan mckinnon congratulations dude i mean that's a hundred million dollars guaranteed okay and you have you have etched your name into history you are to me a slam dunk hall of famer already and you know all you have to do is keep your legacy growing and you're 27 What's nuts is what the future is for Kale McCarr because things are so unbelievably bright for Nathan McKinnon. And it's wild to think there's even a better future, a better legacy, a higher ceiling for Kale McCarr than McKinnon. That's what's insane. What else is crazy is how far hockey is behind, though, when you look at the NBA, the NFL, the MLB. Like, the contracts still aren't to what they are for the other pro sports. And when you think about that, I mean – Think about how tough you have to be to be a hockey player. Talk about how much fun we had during the playoffs this year. So it's just crazy that it's just not at that level. And really, it's 
kind of not even close, it feels like. Well, it's all relative, Rachel, um, Will, to contracts, TV contracts, yeah. and the popularity of the sport. I mean, when you have a Broncos preseason game that rates better than a uh, Stanley Cup <laughs> final game, you just have a dose of reality. That doesn't – that's – it's a little bit apples to oranges only because it's the popularity of the sport and the TV deals that just are not comparable. And also, I mean, there's some just fundamental things too. Basketball is what, like six or seven guys? I mean, all those guys are really going to get paid, even the deep bench guys. The sport that confounds everybody probably should be uh, baseball, you know, where, you know what? I don't know off the top of my head, like, does Brendan Rodgers make more money than Nathan McKinnon or Willie? I mean, it would be something silly like that. Mm -hmm. um, something, you know, Chris Bryant, look at his contract. I mean, you tell me who deserves uh, more money, one of the greatest players in his sport, or a, apparently a, a broken down left fielder that can't get on the field. I mean, it's just nuts. And football is wild, guys. Football is wild because the disparity between contracts is, is just, you don't see anything like it, you know, from, from who gets paid the most to who gets paid the least. You know, in hockey, it's at least somewhat reasonable. In football, it's outrageous. Look at the quarterback room and look what Russell Wilson makes compared to Rippon and Johnson. And, and I will add this on that real quickly is the NHL getting the ESPN, ABC, TNT package was huge. Guys, for years they were playing on Versus. Yeah. If, if you remember Versus, like that was this sure. random obscure channel. Um, you know, Michael Malone infamously joked that the Nuggets were on the Oxygen Network. Well, the NHL may have actually been on the Oxygen Network at one point. Gross. They had the most worthless TV deal in sports. And now they're playing ball with the big dogs, the same yeah. dogs as the NBA. Now, does that mean their salary cap is going to get anywhere close to the NBA or the NFL? Of course not. But that cap will keep going up. And McKinnon even mentioned it yesterday. He just said, I'm just hoping there's not another pandemic so that the cap goes up and more guys can keep getting paid. That was his way of saying, I want the other guys to get paid. But yeah. also, I know I took a big number, but we're still going to be able to pay other guys too because this cap's going to go up. Obviously, knock on wood, no more pandemics. And again, with a TV deal with very legitimate networks. Yeah, definitely. And Nathan McKinnon did talk yesterday about how it was a bit of a sigh of relief for him to be able to get this done, like Will mentioned. Take a listen. Yeah, it was a relief. I didn't want to play out the season without a deal. I didn't want to talk about it and, and think about it. I just want to be part of the team and, and try to win another cup this season. And uh, big weight off my shoulders, obviously really lucky to, to get a deal like this. And, um, yeah, it feels great. Well, I think it was important. Uh, we, I mean, both sides, Nate, we, we wanted him. I mean, he's an avalanche. He's been an avalanche for the last, uh, last what, nine years, ten years. Um, and he's going to remain an avalanche throughout his, his career. And I think that's, uh, that's important. It shows a lot of loyalty. I know Nathan wanted to get this done. Uh, we, we wanted to get it done, and uh, uh, he's a franchise player. And, and we're really excited that he'll, he'll remain here in Colorado for the rest of his career. Oh, you love to hear it. But we do have some breaking news coming out of the NBA, so we're going to bring in our very own Jake Shapiro as he can fill us in on the details since we've been live. But, uh, yeah, we got some questions, Jake. What's going on? Yeah, uh, this is a huge story in the NBA, the biggest story of the offseason. Robert Sarver uh, was found to be racist and homophobic and anti-woman, according to the league. Uh, in a huge dossier released, I think the last week or two weeks, he just released a statement uh, about 10 minutes ago in which he says the Phoenix Suns are beginning the process as well as the Phoenix Mercury of selling their franchise. Uh, you can read that full statement on screen right now. 
essentially this is a huge story because not only is the NBA growing rapidly, like you guys were mentioning other sports, this is the fourth largest media market in the NBA uh, and in the country, uh, the city of Phoenix. So this could be a huge number. Sarver bought the franchise in 2004 for a record four, 400 million. This number will probably be beyond $1.5 billion uh, once the sale goes through. And a name to watch in this is LeBron James, who's been very open about wanting to own a team. There have been rumors about the NBA expanding to Vegas, and LeBron would be the go-to owner. I personally say, why not Phoenix? It's a bigger media market, and that team already exists. So uh, I'm going to let you guys have it. Awesome, Jake. Appreciate the quick update right there. Yeah, I mean, that's super interesting news for sure. Would either one of you like to see LeBron James in the ownership position, DMAC? Sure. I, he's got the money and he's got the power and connection. Um, yeah, I, I don't have any problems with that. Will? Does that mean he's hanging it up? Uh, it's, I, I don't know if we've ever had a owner player before, especially if he yeah. plays for another team. So I, 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 I would assume that would be a conflict of interest. So I don't. I'm not exactly sure how that would work. Well, uh, that, is, that is curious. I I would assume uh, he would have to retire if he wanted an ownership stake in a a team he doesn't play for. And it also shows the disparity between NBA prices and NFL prices, right, guys? We just heard Jake say 1.5 billion. What was Peyton Manning's famous quote last year when asked about the Broncos? I'm looking for that 3.2 billion in my pocket, and I just can't find it. Broncos didn't go for 3.2. They went for 4.65. Now, I know LeBron has cracked the billion-dollar mark, so with other investors and this and that, 1.5, a lot more doable for him than 4.65 was for the Manning family. Again, another reason the NFL's king, not saying it's not a lot of money, but still, that franchise, Jake said, top four media market, going for a third of the Broncos. Here's the problem for LeBron is while he is wildly wealthy, we have found out here in Denver, there's a difference between people who have a lot of money and then, you know, the Rob Waltons of the world. And you just, you know, somebody who can barely uh, make it happen compared to somebody that's picking like lint out of their pocket is just a a different world. And as what, what would be more likely is that LeBron or uh, we would have an ownership stake in something, Mm -hmm. not necessarily be the, the primary owner. And I'm not sure how it is for Michael Jordan in Charlotte. Will, maybe you know. Rachel, maybe you know. But I, I don't know how much of the team that he actually owns or what, what, that is, what that consists of. My understanding is he's the majority owner. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if he's Stan and Josh Kroenke 100%. I think there's probably other investors there. Uh, Jake Shapiro is telling us in the comments now it's 89.5%. So a pretty wow. big chunk of the pie – but also, MJ brought bought that team what? You know, at this point, what, 15 years ago? Like, the, the values of these things have gone up so, so much exponentially, even in just the last couple of years. No, definitely. Uh, it'll be interesting. Again, thanks to Jake for popping on and sharing that information. But let's stay in the NBA because um, ESPN announced their NBA rankings. And I want both of you to guess, where do you see Jamal Murray ranking at? Out of the top 100. Oh, uh, uh, 70-something, 70 72. Okay, well. Yeah, out of all players, I mean, obviously Jokic should be number one. ESPN will probably put him somewhere in the top four. Uh, after that, the only other guy the Nuggets are going to have on the list would be Murray. I wouldn't think Porter would crack it. And 
I'm with DMAC low. Uh, he hadn't played in 18 months. You could tell me he's in the 80s or 90s, and I'd believe you. All right. Well, we're going to throw up the graphic because three players made it. Um, wow. Again, this is for, I believe, the top 40 or 30. I can't remember the exact number. That's being bad of me. But um, Aaron Gordon comes in at number 83. Jamal Murray is number 50. And Michael Porter Jr., number 70. Two, how shocked are you both to see these numbers? I didn't expect Aaron Gordon to make the list at all. Jamal Murray coming in at 50, I was like, I feel like that's kind of fair if we can see bubble um, Jamal Murray back out there again this year. Obviously, we won't with the injuries, but if we can cut somewhere close to it. And then Michael Porter Jr., I was shocked to see on the list as well, Will. Yeah, but I need some quick clarification. Have they not released the top 30 yet? Is that what you were saying? Correct, yeah. Yeah, they're releasing, I think, I want to say top 40 to 30 is coming out today. 30 to 20 is coming out gotcha. on Thursday. So it's one of those countdown lists that they're going to keep revealing more and more because obviously I predicted Jokic in the top four. He should be one. We'll see. Listen, it's a good reminder that the NBA is not the NFL because when I said they won't have anyone else in the top 100, well, you got to start doing the math, right? A good NBA team only plays eight guys. There's 30 teams. That's 240 players. Hell of a lot easier to make the top 100 in the NBA than it is the NFL. I mean, we all know about the Broncos snubs and and only getting Simmons and Wilson and people being all up in arms. Um, So a a lot of that is based on potential with Murray and Porter. Um, Gordon's a solid defender. I still think he needs to improve the offensive game. But now that I do the math in my head, I guess it does make a little more sense with all three of those guys cracking the top 100. Well, listen, you got four guys in the top 100. All right. Let's go. I, I mean, I love it. Um, the Boy, you're giving some grace to Jamal Murray there. But Michael Porter Jr. absolutely 1,000% has the talent to be amongst the top 100 players in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I love that Aaron Gordon is ranked there. He's my second favorite guy on the team next to, to Jokic. Uh, so I I love the, the Nuggets starting lineup. Um, I don't know who the – help me out. Who would be the – are they who would be the fifth starter here in this lineup? Would it be Cantavius Caldwell Pope? He'll it start. Two. Yeah. They'll go so Jamal Pope's, at the one, KCP at the two, Porter yeah. at the three, Gordon at the four, Jokic at the five. So busy Bones is coming off the bench and he's Monte Morris, theoretically. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's hey man. I don't know. Let's go. I want to see it. I, I mean, I love it. I love that lineup. I love what they could do. Um, I'm I'm here for it. Let's see it. This, this is why when those rumors about Durant sort of floated around, I mean, you know, I'm not going to turn down Kevin Durant or the possibilities. you got to look into it. But there was just part of me that just wanted to see this, this combination. It's so tempting to see what it could possibly be. And I think it's a, oh, my gosh. I mean, every again, knock on wood, stay healthy. How does this combination not make it to at least the Western Conference Final? I, I, I just don't know. I mean, it's an unbelievable talented group that's been around, hopefully be healthy. And you've got the reigning MVP. And I have no idea why Jokic won't have another MVP type season. There's there's no reason he wouldn't. What are the odds that Jamal Murray or MPJ can stay healthy all year? Well, well, Murray, I mean, he should, you know, knock on all of the wood. He doesn't have the injury history. It's a fluke injury. It's in Golden State. And yeah, we can talk all we want about how it kept him out longer than people would like, but he wasn't ready yet. He's obviously going to be ready now. So unless something goes horribly wrong, yeah, fingers crossed with with Jamal, he'll be healthy. Now, Porter is the wild card. The kid is what, 24, 25, and he's had three back surgeries. I'm a University of Missouri alum. 
listen, he was supposed to come to Mizzou and save our basketball program, and he played like two games. So it's just a, a guy who hasn't been able to stay consistently healthy. So, Rachel, I, I hate to say it, but he's he's real 50-50, whereas mm-hmm. Murray should be healthy again, knock on all of the wood. K.J. Handler thinks Michael Porter Jr. has injury issues. It's You just don't know, and nor could you really count on it. The crazy thing is the unlimited potential, though, if he were to stay healthy. His talent is, I mean, it's bonkers what he possibly could do. So let's hope it's okay. But but nobody will be surprised if there's, you know, something that's going on with MPJ. You're right about Jamal. Jamal should be fine. I mean, there should be no issues with Jamal. I mean, a million guys have come back from the injury he's had and played just fine. So I'd be stunned if there's, you know, serious issues with Jamal on that. I still get a little nervous with Jamal Murray. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's just because we there were so many times when we thought he was going to come back and he didn't. But I, I just get a little nervous, even though, yeah, he should completely be 100% healthy, be back out there um, on the court. But media day for the Nuggets gets underway next week. So lots of exciting content coming out of that. Make sure you stay tuned to DenverFan.com. We'll keep you updated on absolutely everything. But let's go into the Broncos grades from the past two weeks. Xiaomi, for both of you, what grade would you give Russell Wilson at quarterback? C plus. Well, He's been okay. Yeah, uh, uh, I mean, passing is a D, right? Like D's get degrees. That was my college philosophy come senior year. Um, so he's in. He, he's he's a little above that. So I'm with D Mac. I I just go straight up C. I, I think he's been about as average as you can be through two games, especially with their red zone woes. Okay, well, Mace also gave them a C, so or gave him a C, I guess I should say. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you both. Uh, he hasn't done great, but he also hasn't been absolutely horrible. What about the running backs? Oh, um, best part of the team. I mean, A+. plus. You know, uh, uh, all right, sorry, 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 sorry. I can't give you an A+, plus, right? You're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> I'll give you a, you know what, you lose a letter grade for that. I'll give you a B+. Plus. But I think they've been the best part of it. But you're right. You lose letter grade for fumbling inside the uh, at the one-yard line. You do. Yeah, and everyone loves to pile on Melvin Gordon, myself included. Not the biggest Melvin Gordon fan. But when Javante Williams goes and does the exact same thing in the same game, uh, you know, they both get docked. I'll go with DMAC. But I, I'll, I'll go more of a B just because neither one's broken a long touchdown yet. Okay, Mace has given them an A minus. Um, I'll stick with the A minus with Mace there. Uh, although I do think Melvin Gordon and DMAC, you actually convinced me of this. His fumble is more acceptable than Javante Williams, mostly oh, sure. because it was fourth down and he was just trying to reach it. If he fumbles it, it's kind of whatever if he doesn't make it across the goal line. So I will he's say gotta, that. Okay. He's got to get in the end zone, but that's a blocking thing, a scheme thing, a this, that, the other thing. You know, when you look ahead to the San, San Francisco 49ers, they had first and goal at the one at the end of the first half. What did they do? They just gave it to, to Yushek and just pop, plowed in. I mean, just try that. You know, just try to get your biggest, fattest guys moving three feet forward. You know, until you exhaust that particular move with the quarterback under center, you know, what are we talking about here? So yeah. what, what the Broncos, they're trying to, I don't know, man, conspiracy theory. Are they just trying to pile up, you know, touchdown throwing stats for Russell Wilson? You know, inside the five-yard line, is that what they're trying to do? Because because I don't know why they just don't turn around, under center, turn around, give it to Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, Andrew. I don't know. I don't care. 
Just mm-hmm. or or Russell Wilson snap go. Um, they're they're making things way too complicated. Real quick, we do have a clarification. First of all, Andrew Mason, thank you so much for watching this morning. We have to get you on coffee break soon, but he does want to just clarify that his grades are for week two and week two only, although I do feel like they can kind of take both weeks in, um, DMAC there. So let's move on to the next one. I want to make sure that I've got the correct graphic. Wide receivers. Who we got? Mason's giving him a B. I'll, I'll, I'll roll with that. Um, Tyree Cleveland had a drop, but it didn't really hurt him because there was a penalty on it. And that's not tight ends, it's wide receivers. A lot of them are just <laughs> hurt. <laughs> it's hard to, hard to, it's like you give them an incomplete. You know, Cortland Sutton seems to be consistent enough. Um, it's hard to grade the wide receivers because there's been just so many injuries. Yeah, and again, if we're only talking about week two, if it weren't for Cortland's great game, that's a D or an F because no one else did anything. Like DMAC said, they got hurt, so you can't blame Jerry Judy, but Cleveland did nothing, Hinton did nothing. Montreal Washington had the one in the corner, but he couldn't get his feet in. Like Portland Sutton bailed them out. So it's literally Portland gets an A plus, everyone else gets a D. So we mesh it all together. That's where the B from the Texans game comes from. Does Portland really get an A plus though? Because I'm pretty sure he also had a penalty in this game that was like unsportsmanlike. Yeah, but Rachel, they have no chance without Portland. Like the offense was completely inept without Portland Sutton in that game. Every time they needed a big game, Cortland Sutton came up with it. True, yeah, true, but Rachel's, true. Rachel, that's a fair point by Rachel. I mean, you can't if you're going to get an A, you, you've got to have a clean sheet no matter what. And hey, it was Cortland Sutton in the in game one uh, who was uh, false start that negated what would have been an easy um, touchdown. Mm-hmm. And, and he's not even involved with the play, and he drew a flag. But again, oh. even in last week's game on Sunday, I'm pretty sure he still had like an unsportsmanlike penalty or something. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what he it was. Did. No, he did. He had a 15 yarder. I just, I shudder to think what that offense would have looked like without Cortland. Yeah, but Sutton. you lose, you lose marks too, as well as gain marks. So you know, I mean, how how much do you want to take off for somebody doing something like that? That's well, I mean, I'm only picking on you because you gave him an A plus. He only can get an A, all right? Only an A. Um, okay. okay. <laughs> I just think they lose that game without Cortland. That's all I'm saying. So yeah, oh, I mean, good point. Okay, tight ends, DMAC, What are you giving them? Um, I give them a B. Uh, Albert O, you got to hold on to the ball there, Albert O. But, you know, Albert made a freaking awesome catch for a touchdown. Uh, Tomlinson, you know, his, his, his toe is like a, a half inch too, too tall, too long, I guess. You know, I mean, I don't know. They're all right. You know, mm-hmm. there's nothing special right now. Um, I, a B, I guess. Yeah, again, this is an example of one player, especially for Houston, bailing the rest of the group out. Because if Salbert doesn't catch that touchdown, what did the tight ends do against the Texans? Like DMAC mentioned, Albert O with the, with the drop looking, um, you know, a little unsure about if he was going to get hit or not. And that obviously can cause dropping issues. Uh, Tomlinson, again, week one made a play, but I, I can't think of one he made in, uh, in week two. And then, you know, Greg Dulcich, like, oh, well, guy hasn't been healthy at all. So right. he gets an F so far because he was their second pick in the uh, draft and he hadn't done squat. So, yeah, without the Sauber touchdown last week, that grades a C or a D. Is it bad that I almost forgot about Greg Dulcich? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, no, he's no. just not no. 
there. <laughs> it's it's understandable, but what's fascinating is that he was pegged to be a starter. We know that now. Yeah. He was going to be a day one starter for them. Uh, not, I mean, in addition, I suppose, with Albert O. So, no, it's, it's, it's perfectly fine. You forget all about him and you don't remember him. That makes absolute <laughs> sense. But it does hurt them with what they at least had planned because he was, like I said, going to be a starter. Yeah, and, and okay. real quick, we're, we're going to get to more of them. But, guys, Benito was a healthy scratch last weekend, too. Oh, yeah. So, oh, now your top two picks, Nick Benito and Greg Dulcich, doing absolutely nothing for you through the first two weeks of the season. Well, great, great point right there. Okay, moving on, though, to offensive line. DMAC, what do you give them? C. Yeah, me too. It's nothing special. It seems a little confused. And uh, Cam Fleming is not op- optional or optimal. And then Glasgow can barely play football anymore. And, um, you know, C, nothing special. Well, yeah, it's a middle-of-the-road grade. The, the point I was going to make real quick on the Javante fumble, since – you guys thought that was so much worse than the Melvin fumble. It was a butt fumble caused by Graham Glasgow. It wasn't Mark Sanchez bad, but it had similar elements to it. It's because Glasgow didn't hear the audible. Now, am I going to criticize him that the stadium was loud and he didn't hear it? No, but just in terms of how it looked, I don't think it was as much Javante's fault as it was Graham Glasgow's fault. I'm going to give this group a D plus. I, I just don't think they've been anything, anything to write home about thus far. Yeah, uh, Mace is giving them a B, uh, which this was one of the grades that really shocked me and kind of sparked this because just a B, I just, there's been nothing from them that I'm like, oh, yeah, I really am liking what I'm seeing on the offensive line. What uh, Russell Wilson got sacked three times on Sunday. Three, correct? Three for 18? James no. Merrillat is calling. Oh, Why? no, it went away. Oh, it went away. Now it's a missed call. Shucks. Too bad we can't get James Merrillat on the show. Should I call him back live on Coffee Break? I think you should. I think it'd be hilarious. DMAC? We'll ask him for his. Put him on speaker. What, he doesn't know his own show is going on? All right. Real quick. Oh, I I just got a text. Forgot about Coffee Break. No rush. Give me a ring when you have a minute. Unbelievable. James, here, you should call James and ask him what he's going to give this coaching staff because that's what people really want to talk about, apparently. And I, I guarantee that's a fun one. Okay, real quick, we're going to run through a couple more of these. Um, We're going to go down all the way. Hold on one second. So we've got defense, or defensive line is an A- minus for Mace. Inside linebackers is a B. Edge rushers is a B+. plus. Cornerbacks, A-. minus. Safeties, B. Place kicking, A. Punting, C-. minus. Returning, C-. minus. Um... Oh, hold on one second. And then kickoff and punt return coverage is a B. And then here we go, you guys. The last one. Coaching is a D minus. We've already got comments in the um, comment section right now saying coaching staff grade is an F minus. So this is the one everyone wants to talk about because it's the most juicy one. What would you give it, DMAC? F. How could it not be an F? Yeah, everything about coaching is the coordination and the process, that's that's the number one thing for coaching. F, 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 F minus if you want. Give them a G. Well, not a G because that stands for good. I, I don't know. Uh, how low can you go? I mean, it's, 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 it's been a, it's a zero for the coaching. The only thing I'll say is one of the four coaches, if we count the big four, the head coach and the three coordinators, one of the four I've liked through two weeks and that's been Ezero Evero. So maybe he brings them up to a D minus because we're giving Hackett a 
you know, an X or a Z or a Y if we want to go as low as we can in the alphabet. Okay, if Evero gets a B because that defense has given up nine points in the last six quarters, then maybe he can cancel out, hack it, and out in. And unfortunately, even Dwayne Stukes, who I really like, the special teams having struggles as well. Why do you like Dwayne Stukes? Who oh, because I'm with you, man. Stukes. He's just so entertaining. Oh, like, oh, all right. Well, I know, I know you're a big fan of his presser. So am I, man. Like, right, I but just, you realize TV. The we every special teams coach we've had, Joe D. Camillus, Brock Olivo, uh, Tom McMahon, Dwayne Stukes, they're all entertaining. They're all entertaining because they they all special team coaches. I guess it's in their DNA to kind of sound nutty and kind of crazy. So it's always entertaining. So that's it. We're just, you know, if you're entertaining, that's good enough. So well, it's, it's, it's all right if you don't have a, uh, a punt returner out there. Or, you know. Or, also, can we talk about how Montreal Washington avoided having to go talk to Dwayne Stukes when uh, yeah. he had switched out the field and he was like, no, 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 no. I got this play. And he went back out there on Sunday. He was like, I don't want to deal with that conversation. I mean, I, I don't blame him. But to me, it's what kills me with special teams is you don't have a more conservative philosophy about the essence of special teams. And that's either to kick a field goal, stop them from scoring, and just simply give the ball back to your offense. That's it. That's all you have to do. And this is another special teams coach that's making things more complicated than it needs to be. Well, he's better than 22 Janos. I'll tell you that much. Um, really? You sure? Nice enough guy, D-Mac. Entertaining enough guy, but truly a dumpster fire of a special teams unit. Well, we never, we never had Brock Olivo trying a 64-yard field goal to win a game when it was statistically the worst decision ever. I mean, what, Dwayne Stukes doesn't get any part of that? He gets none of that blame? That he doesn't, he doesn't smell, he, he, wait, wait, hold on. He doesn't run up to Hackett and say, no way, that cannot happen. No, zero chance that happened. He doesn't do that. He didn't do that, by the way. Well, first game, new boss, like, that would have been a gutsy thing to do on Monday Night Football in front of 20 million people. All right, so... I mean, so don't, aren't you a believer in stay in your lane a little bit? Like, I think no, stay no, in his lane. No, no. Why did you get the coordinator job in the first place? No, you don't stay in your lane at that point. No, no. Like, I'm surprised from you that you're so much on the conservative side of the punt returns. That's where really? I'm really, Rachel. It's it's a it's a financial it's a financial disparity issue. How much does Montreal Washington get paid? This question. I couldn't tell no. you. The, the what, rookie what minimum or a yeah. little bit above. Not much. Is, what, what, say say, say $500,000. Let's sure. just overestimate. Yeah. How yeah. much does Russell Wilson make? $50 million. Yeah. So so the job of the guy that makes five hundred, and I'm being generous, is to make sure the guy who gets $50 million gets the ball in his hand. The end. But then, hold on. Okay. But you're paying him $50 million. So – even if the only thing Montreal can't do, in my personal opinion, is take it at the one, because then it's just stupid, and fumble the ball. Otherwise, if he can get it to, if it, say it's at the one, he can get it to the 15-yard line, then give yes. the guy that made $50 million, you gave him an extra 10, at least take it out there. Rachel, you have you have running backs that average 5.5 yards of carry. I know, but it's just another play where 
who knows what can happen. I know he's made a few rookie mistakes, but he's also shown that he can be totally explosive. So why not open it up where we could possibly get it to the 30 or maybe even the 40 if he's looking electric? Because it emphasizes making mistakes and unnecessary risks. It tells you you have one job and that's to be dynamic, which means that you're going to have to take chances. It's dumb. For 10 yards, for 15 yards, that is one play, maybe two plays for your guy that you pay $50 million to with an offense. Your entire offense is paid, what, like $100 million or something compared to a guy who's, you know, basically got, you know, uh, coupons at Carl's Jr. to pay yeah. for lunch. But, DMAC, what was Trenton Holiday making? And he scored two touchdowns in the Raheem Moore game. Like, these guys can be valuable. I check in on Rachel's side here a little more than yours. They wouldn't have even been in the divisional game in 2012 against the Ravens if it weren't for Trenton Holiday. And Montreal well, Washington why, why, is the most explosive player okay. since Trenton Holiday. Why isn't Trenton Holiday still on the team? Well, Trenton Holiday's got to be in his 40s now. I mean, this was no, 10 years not. ago. He is not, and he was released shortly thereafter in his 20s. He was released because he was unreliable receiving the football. For Yes, he had a good game. You pointed out a very good game. Excellent. But there were also times... The football was larger than his torso. You you couldn't trust him to actually feel the ball. It was a bad idea. When the Broncos really needed a ball to be fielded and just give back to the offense, they stuck Emmanuel Sanders, Eric Decker, Kyle McCarthy over the years just to simply catch the football. Frankly, I wouldn't have anybody return a kick or a punt who wasn't making at least $2 million. The end. All right, well, we're going to bring in an expert in this situation. Maybe not this exact situation, but Mark Schlerth is joining us. In a second, we're going to go inside the game, but we're going to ask him first about it, see whose side he's on. Mark, how are you today? I am doing great, Rachel. How are you? I'm good. Did you hear our conversation about if we like Montreal Washington being possibly electric and really just taking the field or whatever, or do you prefer him to stay more conservative? We'd love to hear your opinion. Um. Uh, Montreal Washington, I think, is is a really good young player. And, you know, good young players, uh, dynamic, potential, all those things. But most of the time they're in situations, right? You, you, you parse them out or you categorize them and you give them a smaller amount of things to be concerned about. So, you know, they remember to go out on punt return, you know, things like that. So, I mean, that's those are the things that you do to manage a young player. You don't give him the entirety of the playbook. You say, here's your package. These are the five things we're going to do. You know, jet sweep, orbit sweep stuff. But there's no question during the preseason, he was a really dynamic player. And this goes back to, you know, should we play or should we not play? The the issue that you get into with a guy like Montrell is, is, you know, all of a sudden you haven't played with the guys that are out there. You've played with other guys. So from a spacing standpoint, an understanding standpoint, and just a, a overall uh, complexity offensive standpoint, I think that's that's a hard thing to do. Um, so I, I think it's one of those things you keep easing a guy like that in because he is that dynamic. And let's face it, you know, when you look at the receiving court, now with Jerry Judy out, with K.J. Hamler coming off a knee injury and a hip injury, um, you know, what, what's the kid's name? Tyree Cleveland is a big, tall, physical guy, but he doesn't have – the explosion explosion or the, you know, the ability to run all those kind of gadget plays, if you will. Um, yeah, I think he's he's a guy that you need to work more into your offense, if that makes sense. Okay. Well, how do you feel about him on um, kick returns or punt returns? Excuse me. Oh, I think he's been pretty good on punt returns. You know, I, I mean, I think he's been, I think he's been fine. I mean, I think our special teams um, has not been, has not been great. The coverage units haven't been great. 
but I think he's been I think he's been good on the punt returns. Okay, sounds good. Well, Mark, are you ready to go inside the game? Absolutely, I'm ready. All right, let's do it inside the game presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Let's do it, Mark. The Broncos have had issues with getting plays in on time over under um, one and a half delay of game penalties come Sunday night. I'm going to go under because I think I understand the first game you're in Seattle, you're with the 12th man. I, I think I can understand basically not taking it as seriously as you should have that you could say, Hey man, we lost, you know, we lost it or we had a bad operation from a play call standpoint because of the crowd noise and being in Seattle and all that stuff. And that will rectify itself. And then when it doesn't and you're at home, then all of a sudden it becomes a real issue. Right. And it should have been before that, but you know, I understand kind of, uh, I understand kind of like dismissing it, if you will, and you can't dismiss it. So I don't think there are going to be, any delay of games this week. Okay, I like that idea. Uh, Denver had an issue finding drives through the first um, two games of the season. The red zone was not a good area for the Denver Broncos team. Over or under one and a half touchdowns against San Francisco. Um, I'm going to go over. Uh, when they get in the red zone, I think they'll score. Uh, part of the red zone is really discovering your identity, what you are. And, you know, this last two weeks, I think they've been trying to figure that out. And, you know, what they figured out is what we were doing isn't really working. So I think what you'll see is an adjustment in the red zone. I think a little bit more under center stuff. I think a little bit more um, onus on running the football down there, setting up your play action as opposed to shotgun six times inside the, you know, six times they've had goal and go to go and they've thrown five passes and run at once. And that rushing attempt netted them four yards. So, um, like I, I, I just think that that's, uh, I just think that that's, you know, that's got to be. I think that was in the last game, by the way. Um, so that's got to be the the entirety of the focus in my bat or in my, in my belief. The crowd let Nathaniel Hackett know how they were feeling on Sunday with the Boo Birds coming out over under one and a half quarters before the crowd gets restless Sunday night. Um, I'm gonna go under, and I, I got to tell you. Uh, San Francisco, I just did San Francisco last weekend. I was in Seattle. I was in San Francisco doing the Seattle-San Francisco game. Um, And my week of preparation, studying them and looking at them, um, they are a very simple defense, but they are fast. They are physical. Um, All three levels, they have outstanding players. This will be one of the top three defenses that the Broncos will face this year. Bar none, no questions asked. They are, they're, they're simple. They're on the, the keep it simple, stupid process. Like they play one defense probably 85, 80% of the time, 85% of the time, but they're really damn good at it. And they don't make mistakes uh, for the most part. So yeah, there's going to be, there's going to be some challenges going into this game. There are going to be some challenges that they're going to present this Broncos offense and the fans aren't going to have much patience for that. So I'm going to give, I'm going to give you the under, I think in the first quarter, uh, if something goes wrong, there will be uh, the boot birds will come out. Okay. Uh, obviously, we're wishing Trey Lance um, a healthy recovery with that ankle, but Jimmy G now comes in. If you were in the uh, 49ers front office at the beginning of the season, Stink, who would you have picked to be your starting QB? Um, well, I mean, I understand the investment that you made in Trey Lance. Um, Mm -hmm. I also understand that Jimmy G gives you a better opportunity to win, but remember it's not an apples to apples comparison because Jimmy G all off season, he chose to have a shoulder surgery. So he was out for the majority of the off season. So 
really hard to, you know, to give the other guy all the reps and then all of a sudden say, okay, Jimmy's ready now. It's September 1st and say, let's switch, even though we haven't taken, you know, we haven't thrown the ball or done any of that stuff. That said, Jimmy G, I think, it makes this team a legitimate Super Bowl contender where Trey Lance made them a team that was developing a young quarterback and trying to win at the same time, which is really hard to do. So um, I understand the future. I understand the future is Trey Lance. I understand how much they like the kid. He's made of the right stuff. He's smart, um, but he's incredibly inexperienced. Played a small school. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I played at a small school, um, but really only played one year of college football. And so there's not a lot of experience, especially in the drop back passing game. And that's where he's got to grow exponentially. And of course, again, being hurt for the entirety of the season retards your development of seeing pictures in a game time situation. I mean, it makes it really hard. It makes it really hard on a young quarterback. I was watching a film from last week. I want to also give you credit. You break down games and make it so easy for the audience to really pay attention to the small details that a lot of other broadcast crews don't do. So I want to give you a major shout out on there because you're helping me learn every single time I watch you, Mark. But it seemed like the plays changed. They they run Trey Lance. That was it. They run him. They utilize him in the run. Right. But it seems like Jimmy G isn't that player. Do you anticipate with a week's worth of practice to see him maybe run the ball at all? Or do you think he'll stay in the back or in the pocket? Excuse me. Yeah, he won't run the ball. <laughs> that's, not, <laughs> that's not what he does. Uh, part of that for, for Trey Lance was that's his number one attribute. And to ask a young kid to go in and do something that he's not good at. I mean, Kyle Shanahan is smart enough to realize I can't take away his number one asset and think that he's going to be successful. So that's part of the game plan with Trey Lance. That's not Jimmy G. That's not what he does. And that's not what he's capable of. So to me, they lose a little bit in the running game, but they still have the best running game in football. I mean, bar none. You talked to, I mean, I talked to 12 teams this year, all 12 of them this offseason. All 12 of them were studying San Francisco's running game. That's that's how good they are. Um, Clint Hurt, the defense coordinator of the Seattle Seahawks, told me point blank in a meeting I had with him on Saturday night, last Saturday night, this is the toughest running game to defend in the National Football League, bar none. It's, it's who they are. So they lose the quarterback element of that run, but they're still really diverse and they're still really good at what they do. And – now they become exponentially better at throwing the football. So the loss of your quarterback, although it hurts and it hurts his development and it hurts you because you really like the kid, you just became a better football team because your backup quarterback is getting an opportunity to play. So, which, which makes this a much like, it makes it a much tougher matchup for the Denver Broncos um, this week. It just is like if Trey Lance was coming into Denver to play, I would give the edge to the Broncos. I would like there's no question. Now I'm not so sure. This this makes them a much tougher opponent, in my opinion. Yeah, well, Mark, I kept you for a few extra questions. Appreciate the time. No, thanks for going inside the game. All thanks to Bet River Sports. Appreciate you. Who do you got this week, real quick? Uh, I have got um oh wow, put me on the spot. Washington Philadelphia at Washington. Oh, so those Eagles, man. Yeah. Now you want to talk about another roster. I think the two best were, well, the two best rosters I know that I've seen, but the two best rosters that I've watched this season, I haven't studied everybody else, but I have watched enough to be able to make a, you know, a somewhat educated opinion. Two best rosters, top to bottom, I've seen offensively and defensively, Philadelphia Eagles and San Francisco 49ers. Oh, man. All right. Tough matchup on Sunday night. Again, Mark, really appreciate the time for going inside the game. 
All righty. We are back, though. We're going to bring back in DMAC real quick. Oh, and Jake Shapiro. The whole team is here. Um, you guys, it's going to be exciting come Sunday night. The biggest test for the Broncos, obviously. Thank you guys all so much for hanging out with us here on Coffee Break. Oh, hold on. Jake's got something. You know what today is? DMAC, do you know what today is? I don't. What? The 21st night of September. Oh Love was changing the minds away. I can't do that. I'm note. shocked you're not singing. Hey, Google, play September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. We're going to do this. Rachel, got to be a top five Denver band of all time, right up there with the Lumineers, the Fray, 303. I forgot about the Fray. Can I forget about the Fray? That's we might have to change up the backgrounds a little bit more often, depending on the I day. I kind of like this, One. the vibes. All right, everyone, that's going to do it for Coffee Break this morning. DMAC and I, tomorrow morning, make sure you tune in 10.30 a.m. And we will see everybody later. Happy September 21st, everybody. Peace.